leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. We are live. Hey, security peeps. We are live with another edition of Breaking Into Cybersecurity. It is CISO Thursdays and we're all dancing. I guess this is like... Are we going to be like the Ellen show where we just dance? <laughs> we show no, up that's the one thing I miss about her show. Just the random breakouts of dancing. <laughs> right? Just like in the middle of a talk, like I had a really rough childhood, but you know what? Then she does one of these. <laughs> we start to do some moonwalking or something. <laughs> so I am Renee Small, cybersecurity super recruiter, helping awesome leaders hire great talent. We have the whole entire crew here. Chris Foma. Oh, before I get into the crew, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. I would say that multiple times. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. And what else do I need to tell folks to do? Is follow everyone in the show. Go That's follow. right. Notifications. Turn on your notifications. Find Breaking into Cybersecurity on your favorite podcast listening platform and subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Right. <laughs> buy our books. Yeah, buy the books. Follow book. us. Hire us. <laughs> on Naomi's poll on ageism. Yes. Right. That's right. Get on Naomi's poll. Okay. Chris Folon. Howdy, everyone. Cybersecurity person and career coach and celebrity specialist. I, I mean, I don't know. Um, podcaster for the week. Um, Wait, did James. you say celebrity specialist? What does he that mean? What is that? What a celebrity I, specialist. I, I don't know. Ask uh, Ken, Ken Underhill. Um, he always tags me as celebrity news. <laughs> he gave us... He, <laughs> Ken Underhill is so funny. Oh, my God. He put little gold medals around our necks. That was so funny. <laughs> it's like you need to follow these people. And we had the, we, we had the gold medals. So it was awesome. All right, Jamie James Azar. Did you just call me Jamie? It was Alex. Now it's Jamie. It's, hi, everyone. I did. I make up names for you. I make up names for my favorite people. Yeah, I was Alex for a while. You guys remember when I was Alex? <laughs> All right. So, hi, everyone. I'm James Azar, host of the CISO Talk podcast and a CISO. Naomi. Hi. What's up? What's my nickname, Renee? I'm really curious here. The Naomi book. I don't know yet. Oh, I got to get one. That's not so funny. You're the Naomi right now. But we'll come up with something. James can tell me if I'm pronouncing my own name wrong because I don't speak Hebrew, but apparently I am saying my name wrong. It's Naomi the whole time. Naomi. So, yeah. There's a bunch of different ways to say your name. Naomi. Oh, God. Uh, Naomi, not Naomi. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm Naomi Buckwalter. I'm here to help you break into cybersecurity. And let's do it. Let's go. Our favorite day of the week. Zoe says hi. Paul says hi. Let's keep this YouTube alive. Paul from Jacksonville, Florida. So let us know where you are chiming in from. Please keep us posted on that. Um, so... Topic for today is a topic that actually, oh, Chris has something. Speaking of Paul, there's going to be an amazing event that he's organizing uh, tomorrow afternoon at 4 p.m. Follow his post. Um, amazing security folks are going to be on there sharing career advice uh, for those uh, from the tra transitioning from the military. Um, so helping them with their transition and their career. Naomi, I heard I got a little bird whispered in my ear. You might make a surprise stop tomorrow at the event. Oh, yeah. I think that's the goal, right? Wait, when, where is it? Where is it? <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I know about it, but I, I don't think I was invited. But I would love to come. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure you were. And so, uh, Paul, get on it, buddy. Send Naomi the invite right now, man. What are you doing? Are you sleeping? What's going on in Jacksonville? 
Paul is doing good people's the good the good Lord's work. All right, so Paul Zoe is here from Atlanta, Georgia. Hey Zoe, Joshua's ATL, back. Baby. ATL. <laughs> Joshua's back. Joshua's back from Wichita, Kansas. So, folks, today we are talking about. Um, Ageism in the workplace, ageism in IT, ageism in cybersecurity. Um, I took some classes, some grad school classes, probably a dozen years ago. And at the time, the statistic was that ageism started at age 35. Um, so don't forget the reverse, too. Like you can be too young and be treated like a, like you don't know anything, you know. So reverse ageism too. That could be a thing. Well, Ken, oh, okay. there's no such thing as reverse ageism. There's ageism, and that's it. No, yeah, yeah. just regular ageism. But <laughs> we want to know like both directions, right? Bi-directional, well, yes. It's, it's 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 like like multi-directional ageism. An old yeah. guy doesn't want to hire a young guy. A young guy doesn't want to hire an old guy. And at the end of the day, it's just ageism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. it is. So I know Naomi, this was your kick off we can have you kick it off but yep it's a it's a topic that um i am definitely have done research you know, for. i bogarted this from james it was his idea to talk about ageism because oh, he had a story cool. he was like he was on fire about a story right somebody that you were mentoring tell us yeah so someone that i think not only myself but um chris also knows um and and a few other people were all going through mid-career changes where they were leaving one industry that we're in to go into cyber, break into cyber, and they're getting interviews, but that's where it stops, right? They get an interview, and you can tell that in the interview, the questions that are being asked are more around, like, you know, with all of your experience and everything you've done, do you think you'll find this role very, very fascinating? Or do you think you'll still be challenged by taking this role? And the person can answer absolutely, totally, yes, I'm in it, I want to break in, and they're like, okay, we'll get back to you, and then they never hear back. From these companies, they end up getting an email that just says bye bye. That's pretty horrible. So, what makes you think that's ageism, though? I, I could tell you in interviewing um, for like uh, operational roles, kind of like a soccer role, like when there were older candidates, the question is like, um, will they be able to keep up? Um, are they just here to get a paycheck? Will they put in the extra effort? Like, those are the types of things that are said when, like, older candidates come in. Like, oh, they're, they already retired once. This is just, like, an extra role for them. And I, I remember when um, several years ago when I did hire someone that was retired, he was the hardest work, worker ever. And it's like, geez, you're retired and like you're, you're putting in more effort than some of the new folks. And he's like, I love my job. I love helping people. I love IT. Like, th this is what I do. Like, I don't want to retire. Um, I just hit the age. Hmm. I mean, this what you're saying, Chris, is sounds more like ageism. Um, James's example, it's like it's so hard to prove, right? Like, that's the kind of the point it's like we know you're kind of doing this but we can't prove it well you can that's because, what's so no here's the thing you can't prove ageism it's not very hard to do and i'll tell you how go to your sock team see what the average age is the average age in your socks 25 ageism the average rate of maybe managers is 28 ageism um because that's just the bottom line that's like a career projection, a career path. And we're not very flexible in looking at mid-career changes. See, the average age per role in a company will pretty much let you know that there is ageism. I don't know. I want to play devil's advocate, though. Like, So, I mean, it could be a supply thing. Like, what if the people who are out there really aren't applying for the same roles. And so you have just more younger people applying for those types of roles, those entry-level roles. I, I, I know, I'm just kind of like, you just gave an example of somebody mid-career changer, I get that. But what if there aren't as many people applying for these entry-level roles where there, there they're mid-level? There are, but they're not getting the opportunity. So here's what happens. Um, and, and I've seen this, so I've, been witness, I've witnessed this. And I think many of us can, can attest to this without actually saying, um, um, 
without actually saying it, but there are cases where ageism is evident, where an HR manager will look at a CV and say, well, this person's got 10 years of experience and nothing to do with IT, but they've got the certs, um, and here you go. Um, they don't want to hire them, or we're not sure we should you know, give them a chance to get in. I've seen it. I mean, I've been in job fairs, right? Where, experience. Where they're going like, well, they're overqualified for the position. And you're like, well, what's overqualified for a position? So that's one of the problems that we have with hiring, right? And this kind of goes back into the whole birth of CISO Thursdays, right, Naomi? And kind of mm-hmm. like your, you know, the Cybersecurity Gate, Gate uh, Breakers Foundation and so much more of that is this. We go into these places and we, we imagine this role, right? And we build this role out and then we go to hire for this role, but we're not, we're, we're, we're kind of like building this um, requirement and we're not willing to look outside of it. So what ends up happening is these people end up getting stuck in a system where they don't even get the chance or if they get the chance, because let's say someone sent us someone's CV and we go, hey, wonderful, here's this guy's CV or girls CV, and we look at it and we go, well, they've got great experience. You know what? Let's bring them. So we bring them in and they go, they're overqualified instead of building a career path for this person. So saying we're bringing them in to fill this headcount, right? This headcount's going to be that headcount for X amount of time. And then we're going to move them on to other headcounts. And we're going to build a career path for them. We don't do that. We hire someone and we think that they should do that job forever. I think um, like Alan Alford on his podcast yesterday, he mentioned it's not like forget the, the head count. It's like cycle time. Like we need bodies to be able to accomplish all these work cycles and then don't just think of it as head count. So now you brought someone in and they're overqualified for this particular job cycle or this workload, move them up to a different workload, move them up to something else. Like just don't think of it all statically. Yeah. I'm reading through some of these poll answers and I'll just say um, 264 votes right now. It's a fair even break. It's like, is ageism a problem in cybersecurity? A quarter of the respondents said, no, ageism is not a problem. Everyone else said yes. About a third of them said, yeah, I've experienced this personally. About 20% say I've witnessed it. 24% say that they know someone affected. So I, I don't know. This is an interesting one. The comments are interesting, too. It's like, hey, 35, I'm feeling the, the discrimination already. And then one person actually said, the worst thing that I could have done in my career was to pass 40. That's just yeah. depressing. Yeah. So the, the official, they say the official, like, you know, um, ageism um like if you have a lawsuit the official number is 40 so that's why they'll ask about people over 40 like are you over 40 if you're having such a situation in your company um some comments here well i've experienced i've you know being on the other side of this is painful i've seen exactly what james is talking about where people hiring managers are like oh we want you know, they describe everything instead of saying, you know, without saying I want somebody 25, we want, um, uh, um, they don't say early career, but they say all these other things, energetic and this and that and that and this and that, like a person that's over 40 can't be that, um, you know, learning, willing to learn quickly, willing to, le- you know, pick up new technology, somebody that's savvy, you know, blah, 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 blah. Well, an older person can be savvy too. They can pick up all that stuff too. Um, so there definitely is discrimination when it comes to age. Um, to age. I have witnessed it. Um, um, I push back a lot of the times when I hear stuff like that because I think it's pretty disgusting. And to, to Chris's you know, example in point, you have seasoned people that, A, bring in so much more, you know, could be the hardest worker, could be the harder worker, can be the, the person that's going to be, you know, reliable or may be more reliable than, you know, someone else who is younger. Um, there's a zillion reasons why it shouldn't happen, um, but it does happen. It's very real. <laughs> I've seen it in person, especially in IT a lot. Most of the recruiting I've done over my career has been IT. And it is very much like, oh, 
bring a person in and the resume says one thing or if the resume goes too far. You know, some of the things that I've talked to people about is if they have an extensive, you know, if they've been around since 70 something, you don't have to put the the, the year you graduated college. You don't have to put the every job you've had, you know, anything past 20 years, nobody, the technology has changed. But yeah, people show up like Pam is just saying this. Pam says, um, I've definitely experienced ageism. I was ignored as soon as I sat for the interview. So you come in, you show the resume. You show up, you look like, you know, what they don't expect. And if a hiring manager is in their 20s or 30s, and I think this was, if I remember correctly, why 35 was the point is because people kind of peak in their career, like a lot of the managers become and leaders and stuff are getting to that point at 35. And there's a couple of different dynamics at play. So, you know, somebody, quote, younger than you or whatever that you feel like you can mentor and manage and that kind of thing comes into play. Um, somebody that's more seasoned, you may think of as a challenge if you're the person in that role. So it could be, oh, we think that they're not going to pick it up in this and that. But really, it's like, oh, is this person here to take my job? Like they've done this before. You know, all of that kind of stuff comes into play. So a couple comments that I want to post up here. Um, Paul talked about omnidirectional ageism, uh, meaning from both any everybody could get it. Zoe says, uh, Joshua says, I'm kind of in that boat. I'm 30 and trying to and attempting to transition to cyber from a warehouse job. Um, yeah, Blair, 30 is not old at all. Gosh, 30 is not old at all. <laughs> so. Uh, Larry Rosen says, how about the reverse? I've actually found that in certain niches, the quote, great gray hairs are a plus. Um, I think that I, I agree. I think yeah. that seasoning is, you know, there's nothing like mentorship or people who've been through it before. They've been through the fire already. <laughs> you know, they can coach other folks. Um, it'd be who I, I don't I have no clue why. Um, why it exists. Uh, Paul says, a person James Chris and I mentor at has absolutely lost roles because he is over 50. He knows ageism based on candid conversations with the interview teams. I wonder if this person has actually called it out while it's happening, because certainly it's happening, right? If this is his reason for not getting the job. So if he actually said something during the interview or during the hiring process, just say, hey, I know you might think I'm older, but here are the reasons why I'd be an awesome asset to your team. And just start calling out the BS that he might be seeing. I, I, I think people would stop and think, yeah, you know what? You might be right. You would think it takes an um, uh, awful lot of confidence that someone who's hoping to get a role um, might not exude because they might come off as cocky or um, asshole-ish maybe. Like they feel that if they say that, like that's how it will be looked at. So they, they try not to do that. I get that. I get that. But that is your your chance to show them that you have emotional intelligence and the ability to communicate and influence and persuade. So that's like another opportunity for you to shine. You know, well, Just I like, think that I think they may not want to do it for other reasons too, like because people talk and other people talk, and they, you know, if you if you point it out to one, if I'm if James, you and James have two roles, and I say to James, hey, you're not hiring me because. I'm old, and then James talks to you about it, then you might not want to, you know, like, it may be looked at as potentially combative or making up, because you, you can't, there, there is a way to prove it, but, like, how are you proving it in that place and putting that person on the, the other person on the defensive? Because immediately, those people are going to be like, oh, no, it's never because of that. You know, like, they're not going to admit what they're doing. Hmm. Well, I think that's, a, that's a tough spot to be in. So, so look at it like this. Let, let me play devil's advocate for a moment because Naomi and I like to switch off who does that every once in a while. One of the reasons you may not hire someone who's a bit older for an entry-level role is because you're concerned that the compensation package, which was a topic we talked about last week, right, might be too low for this person. Meaning that an entry-level cyber role could be starting people, what, based on your survey, it's what sixty thousand a year, sixty-five thousand a year. Just it's about. less, yeah. It, it's less. It's in the fifties. So think you hire someone for an entry-level cyber role that's making fifty-five a year, just as an example, and this person's forty-three with two kids, a wife, and a mortgage. As a hiring manager, at that point, that becomes a risk analysis. 
right? Is this person going to stick around for 55 a year? Or could this be just a small stop on his path to a greater role? And that could be anybody. Well, yeah, but you know what? When you're 24 and after college or you just finished a boot camp, um, it's a little different because you're, you don't have all the responsibility. So 55, I'm not saying 55 is enough, but I'm saying 55 is livable. But when you're a family of four off of 55, how livable is that? I mean, and, I, and I'm coming at it from, again, a devil's advocate. I'm not yeah. saying excuses it, but. The other, side, the other side for that is let that person make that determination. Like, we don't know what people have in their lives. Yeah. They could be independently wealthy and just want to, <laughs> this is what they love to do. Or maybe they have a sugar mom. I don't know. Like, you know oh, we, job we went straight high. there. Renee, whoa. She went right yeah. to sugar mama. She was like, he's got a sugar mama. <laughs> Keep it dropping. He just wants something to do all day. You know, he this is what he wants to do. Or 55 could be more than what he's currently making. Like you never know. Yeah. He's another thing. Changing careers. 55 is awesome. But take that but hang on. But that goes to our conversation from last week. And this all kind of ties together. Because last week we talked, if if anyone missed last week's episode, go back and watch it. Because we were talking about should you be getting paid? the same no matter where you are, meaning should cost of living even be accounted for in your salary considerations? Well, having said that, now we go into ageism, right? And that topic now becomes even clearer, right? I know, and I've heard these conversations on different Slack channels, and I've been in some Zoom calls, where I've heard leaders say, I wanted to hire this person, but he had kids at home. I wanted to give him a shot. But because we're doing work from home, I wasn't sure this person could be onboarded correctly and brought in. So we just passed. Is there a term for that? Someone mentioned familyism. Like if you have little kids all day long. Like, uh, yeah, that's just crappy people. Me. That's just they <laughs> just don't want to hire the person. Like people, that's the thing. People are gonna come up with all the excuses instead of the real is that legitimate. Is that legitimate? So don't we all have children? Well, we'll never I'm things. talking about children. I'm talking about, yes, we all have children, right? We all have children. Absolutely. Yes, we all have children. <laughs> yes. So that's that. I mean, it's done. And we're all, you know. Well, they're using it as an excuse. They're using it as an excuse rather than calling it ageism. Hmm. Yeah, that's what it is. It's really ageism versus this other. So, so now what is it? Anti-parent, you know, parentism. Parentism. <laughs> like, I don't want to hire people that have well, kids. I don't think they're well, going to be onboarded. I, you know, they come up with all these various oh things. Well, let, let's think about like um, women who've left their careers to have children and come back. The gap. Oh, that's a risk. They've been gone for too many years. I don't think they could take it back up. What BS is that? Yeah. Well, that's, I'll tell you this. So um, my wife's pregnant. She's due under two months, right? Hey, um, baby. Very, very excited. Baby CISO. Baby CISO. Hashtag baby CISO. Thank you. Hashtag baby CISO. But um, my wife's a career woman. I met her. She had her own business already, right? She was like my boss, and she had her own company at the same ooh, time. Ooh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, yeah. Sugar mama. Sugar mama. <laughs> <laughs> He was my sugar mama for a little bit. I ain't gonna lie, right? He knows. <laughs> but, uh, no, no, I, I, I absolutely love and adore my wife. And so, you know, she's a career woman. She has her own business, right? Like my wife doesn't work for anyone. She works for herself. She's been doing that for 12 years. So she's having a baby. So she's taking a few months off. And in doing that, like she's like, she's concerned. She's taking six to seven weeks off of her own business. And she's concerned that customers aren't going to stick around. She's had one customer tell her, listen to this. Yeah, well, what we'll do is we'll pause your contract and we'll pick it up next year, you know, once you're back and feeling okay. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's just making assumptions about somebody. That's just a dick move. Like we do this to ourselves and to each other. We tell stories about ourselves and our each other that really aren't true. Like I had somebody, uh, you know, in a frantic uh, message, send me like the other 
about a year ago, actually, when the pandemic started. He's like, you know, I got a, I got an interview, but when I emailed them on a Saturday, they didn't reply to me by Monday. Does that mean we didn't get the job? I didn't get the job. I'm like, that doesn't mean anything. It just means that they were probably like not at their email. Like they didn't respond over the weekend. Don't tell yourselves these stories that aren't true. And we do this constantly. We tell no, ourselves stories that aren't true. We don't have the evidence that proves your theory. Like think of the bigger picture here. You're not, you're just lying to yourself. It's ridiculous. I know um, Chris has to go soon, so I'm going to go through. Bye, Chris. He always leaves early. Bye, Chris. He needs a sugar mama. He's white when it's getting good. Chris, you need a sugar mama. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Paul says, as a 20-year Navy vet, Navy IT vet, I personally was told overqualified or I couldn't keep up with younger candidates. So they told him point blank. You can't so, keep up with younger candidates. That's a lawsuit right there. You should have recorded yeah. that shit and sued him. That's, that, I mean, they said it to you straight to your face. That's, that's crazy. a definition of a lawsuit. <sighs> Veterans oh. got it. Got it. Yeah, they got the ageism thing and then the military thing, right? Like the all of the assumptions, stigma, you all get the stigmas, military stigma, jarhead oh. stigma. Man. Brooklyn 29 says, I thought they're not supposed to ask about age. So they don't, but they assess. Times have changed. 40 plus is not old. Who are you telling? <laughs> but they assess. So they look at the, the resume. Oh, it's 20 years experience. They tack on, figure, okay, you started working at 20 or 22 or whatever. And then add that all up. Oh, or you show up and, you know, you look older. Um, and then they proceed from there. So they don't add out and out ask you, but they make an assessment based on either your LinkedIn profile, your resume, all that kind of stuff. Paul says they don't need to ask when someone provides a chronological resume. Boom, done. Exactly. Um, is this Ajay Age? Tell me how to pronounce your name. Overqualified is a scapegoat term. My response to that is typically I'm fully qualified for the role, but have additional experience in the skills you need. That's absolutely correct. Um, I do know, I mean, to, to James's point earlier when he said managers think, is this person going to stick around? Um, you know, my pushback when, when I do hear managers talk about this, I'm like, if you look at, and I, I don't have the statistic in front of me, but there is a statistic around, I don't know if it's millennials or Gen Z, that the average amount of time that they stay in a role is something like nine months or 10 months, something like that, 11 months, like under a year. So that goes out the window. <laughs> like they're likely not staying at your job longer than a year anyway. On That's average. a great point. Yeah. So, you know, when you start hitting people with the data points, then it's just like, what is this really? Like, what are you really up to? But that's, but that's the problem. It's, it's misuse of data, right? So you don't have solid data. And so when you don't have solid data, people make assumptions. And these yeah. are what you can call biases, that right. go into the, you know, the unconscious bias and right. we can use yeah. it in a term that really does apply here when it comes to ageism. Oh my God. That's such a good term. We should talk about that next week. Unconscious, unconscious bias. bias. I love that topic. I yes. love that. So, um, Hey Cedric, Cedric said, hello everyone. Cedric, hey, I missed you last night. Last night we had, um, federal career connections on and Cedric is always at our federal career connection, um, talk. So Ajay says, I also often say, if you're go undergoing surgery, would you prefer the first year intern or the head of surgery to conduct your procedure? Both first year intern, fully, first year intern, first year intern. Both are fully qualified. First year intern. So there first it year is. Intern. Uh, Terry it depends says, on the surgery. <laughs> I'll take, you know why I'll take a first year intern every time? It's fresh. They're more thorough. They're taking their time. Mm -hmm. And they have somebody right there with them. That's what right. happened with my C-section. I had like a baby face doctor doing my C-section. I'm like, who are you? But he was fully confident. He did a great job. I'm still here. Like he did, he was a doctor, very handsome man. And I was just like, oh, okay. Well, I guess this is happening. I don't know who you are, but yeah, go ahead and cut me open and get my guts out. Sure. I think that's what um, I it was it Alan. I think it may have been Alan that talked about the the um, the malpractice lawsuits on young or newer um, physicians versus older ones because they're fresher, newer, you know, more paying more attention. It's not kind of wrote in their minds anymore, like oh, I've done this before type of thing, and you get more malpractice lawsuits. I believe that was what he said. Um, with the older they are, yes, yeah. So Terry, um, Terry says, I think it, 
ageism as well as familyism, probably not a word, it's nepotism. <laughs> but jobs and cyber companies teams to want to go for people that are younger and do not have, oh, so it isn't t t um, nepotism, it really is familyism. Wanted to go for people that are younger and do not have families due to the assumption that the employee will be able to work more, super in parentheses, super bad assumption. Women face this often with pregnancy and family planning. Wow. So just what James said. James yep. had the example. Zoe's laughing at my sugar mama comment. And Cedric says, sugar mama, LOL, I missed this podcast. Yeah, we always got something juicy going on here. Um, Paul says, in each of your opinions, could the topic of why an older person would want a role at a lower pay or over 40 be used in candidate in a candidate's thank you letter? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It goes great on a cover letter too. It doesn't have to yeah. be before your after your interview. This could yeah. get like explain your story. That's what the cover letter is for. Explain yeah. why you're interested in this role, why you're interested in this company, and why you think you'd be a great fit. It's a perfect place for a cover letter. And literally, like so few people write cover letters, it would make you stand out. It so totally go ahead and try it. Yeah. And this is where the networking comes in because you know if I have a if I know someone and they're I know they're over forty or fifty or whatever and I'm like look this person is good this person is great you need to hire them like you're not thinking hopefully oh this is a cool older person and they're not going to be able to get it you just know like oh this person comes highly referred they're good hire them that's where the networking part comes in so again the blind applicant tracking system stuff yep it's blind just, hiring yeah yeah. Finley says, I would say if you're coming in older as a career changer, there's definitely ageism. I'm smart enough to know what to expect from an entry level role as far as pay. If it was an issue, I wouldn't be trying to get the position. Exactly. Like, why are we acting like that's a good point? <laughs> yeah, family knows what's up. Family knows what's up. Like, why would I apply to your role if I knew I, I wouldn't be there long term? Right. Right? So, yeah, so, like so, well, I'm looking for a hundred thousand when I know it's a sixty thousand dollar job. I mean I, I just want to point something out, okay? And it's 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 something Again, I'm going to put on the devil's advocate role uh, for just a minute here. You hire someone, even though they know what the job is, you're kind of thinking they're using you as a jumping block for a next role. They're Isn't everybody, to... though, James? Like, that's your nice no, point. I, hang on. I completely agree. I'm not disagreeing with that. Everyone <laughs> uses one job as a building block for another. Mm -hmm. You want to have... You'll take a job for a year sweeping the floors at Chase if you can to have J.P. Morgan Chase on your CV. If you were wanted to get into financial services, you would. And you put like operations manager for janitorial services. <laughs> janitorial right? services. Like you would. You would. Yeah. Right? I've seen that. But but, 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 what, but what we're talking about here is the, the bigger challenge isn't that you know how much you're getting paid is the fact that the data is so skewed by hiring managers. So the data is so skewed that they're not thinking about, well, like Chris brought up before he dropped, maybe, maybe they're independently wealthy. Maybe, they've got, maybe they had a good job before in their previous career, but they felt unaccomplished or doing a career change and they've got enough money to live off of it for the next three years mm -hmm. saved up where it will supplement whatever you're paying them, right? And a sugar way up or a sugar mama or a sugar daddy, you name it, whatever. Right. Like, like, why has it got to be a sugar mama? Sugar See, mama Thursdays. Yeah. <laughs> you're just assuming that men want to do a mid career transition. You're not complimenting women that want to do the same exact thing. <laughs> I'm being biased today. It's it the biases. Yeah. I think we should start. We need to hear better sugar stories. Is more fun. Well, we need to base our decisions on data. And I think that's the biggest problem. The challenge here is there isn't any data. So one of the things I would do if I was a candidate who was older, because I got to drop in a few, I'm sorry, I have something I got to get done. But I will say this, if I was a candidate, because I want to offer my solution and drop. So I'm sorry, I'm going to go on a bit of a soapbox here. If I'm a candidate, I'm going for a job, right? I want to get something. I want to get any sort of position anywhere. And you're going for lower pay or whatever that is give a very good explanation to it. Like, honestly, just put it out there. Uh, really, really get on. It's his no? connection again. Your connection's connection weird. It, yeah, it's been spotty. How about now? How about now? Because I haven't had any connection issues until we do the show. And I want to No, until you start going on your rant, that's when it happens. That's like when it's like, yeah. it's a conspiracy theory, too. Yeah. LinkedIn's like, <laughs> shadow ban. 
It's China. Shadow ban. Enter. <laughs> Say it again, but slower. So, so shadow ban doesn't get you. Um, I forgot where I was. <laughs> Start from the beginning. Where was I? We couldn't hear any of that. Damn. Yeah, it was. I'm sure it was great. It was, but but now I've lost it. I was on the oh, awesome. oh, James. All right, we can talk you about said, it. Yeah, you had your solution. Remember? Was I've there a solution, it. James? We lost it. <laughs> Come on, it's in- oh, man. the solution is to be to not be an asshole. I mean, that's kind of the thing. Like, if you are a hiring manager or you're in the team that's treating someone like crap because of their age, like, stop doing that. Maybe it's back. Data driven. Data driven. Back up your data in your thank you letter. Back up your data in your cover letter. So mm-hmm. go out, get some really impactful data that supports why they should pick you. Okay. And use that data as part of a reference, whether it be on your thank you letter, cover letter, part of your interview. That's all really, really important because data is everything. And yeah. I believe that good managers want to make decisions not based on biases or isms, mm-hmm. but based on data. Mm-hmm. And that's the society we live in today. We live in the era of data, and that's a critical aspect of it as well. And I've got to drop, folks. So Thanks, I'll James. See you next week. And Naomi, see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, yeah, when, wherever this thing happens, yes. <laughs> good point, James. Bye. But James has a really good point. If you think someone's going to use a fact against you, you might as well address it right away. So I think... Uh, Tyrion Lannister, if you guys watch Game of Thrones, the actor, I forget his name right now, but he's like famously quoted as like, once you acknowledge your flaws, they can't use it against you. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying being older, 40, like I'm 40, I don't consider this a flaw. Like, but if, if you think somebody would consider your age a flaw, no matter where you sit on the age range, like if you think people would think it's a flaw, then just address it. Be upfront and say, this is the reason why it's not a, a flaw. Here's the reasons why it's a benefit for your company or for myself or for this role. And you address it head on and no one can use that against you. Who, what's the name of Tyrion? What's his name? Ah, oh, I forget. He's you great. Know, I'm, <laughs> I'm curious how that would work with all the different ones though, because sexism, racism, you know, um, uh, um, discrimination based on uh, sexual orientation. I mean, there's so many different. All the isms. Yeah. I mean, maybe, but like ageism is, Kind of like the more obvious one, I think. Uh, like, you don't, I, I don't know. It's harder to prove maybe. And um, I had a mentee actually come up to me. He, he was all worried. He was like, I'm really concerned because all I've had are these phone calls. And I'm worried that when I get on the face-to-face, they're going to just know I'm old and they're not going to want to hire me. And I said, Mark, Mark, don't worry about it. They already know you're old. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like they already know your CV and like they've seen, you've heard your voice. And I'm just going to say, yeah. Mark, you don't sound like the youngest, you know, spring chicken. <laughs> so they already know. Like, and if you're already past that point where they're talking, they want to talk to you more, like consider that a win. They're, they're looking for someone just like you and, and don't worry about right. it. And so he was all in a, a thing telling stories about him, you know, in his mind, yeah. telling false stories again. And I'm just like, don't worry about it. They already know you're old. <laughs> you yeah. just continue. Yeah. No, but, you know, it's discouraging when you, for all types of different reasons, right? When something happens and it's either whatever it is, and it's just like, oh, they don't want me because I'm a vet. Oh, they don't want me because I'm Black. Oh, they don't want me because I'm a woman. Oh, they don't want me because I'm Latino. Oh, they don't, you know, like all the different things. And then, oh, they don't want me because of my age, like whatever it is, you're right. Like the story that you're telling yourself. And yes, some people are not going to want you for these various reasons. And guess what? You don't want to work for them anyway. I don't want to work for anybody that doesn't want... (laughs) exactly how i am let's talk about the reverse though because i'm looking at the poll results and the people who are answering yes i've experienced ageism personally when i look at their profile photos most of them are younger which is like like to my mind i'm like ooh, so they're experiencing it from maybe during their role not during the hiring I'm guessing. I'm just making this up. But like, so in the job itself, like, so they are being treated differently or they're being, you know, discriminated against for their age. But you look at their profile pictures and they're a lot younger. So I want to talk about that. Do you think ageism is happening on the job too? Oh, it's definitely happening on the job. So to whom? Is it to the younger folks? Because this is most of the people answering yes. I've had it happen to me. I'd be curious I'd be curious as to what their it, 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 
I'd be very curious as to what their experience has been. It probably is like they don't, they feel like they can do, uh, like if they're getting, trying to get promoted or whatever. I don't know. Mm. I'm, I'm not making stuff up. I'm listening. I'm thinking about what people have said to me, like, oh, I can do this. I'm qualified. I have the credentials or whatever. But they hired the older, they promoted the older person, the seasoned, you know, the person that has more years, that is more seasoned. It could have something to do with that. But I mean, that makes sense for leadership roles, right? You're going to ex- expect someone to have like 10 plus years before they become a CISO or a security leader. I get that. So, but for like individual contributor roles, are people experience ageism for the IC roles? I really hope not. Like that would be so depressing. It's just a whole nother level. It would be very depressing. Right, I would love to hear your stories in the comments. If you guys could just put some in there. I know some really good ones. Cynthia said, yeah, it goes both ways. um, Kyle says, I'm not that old, but yeah. So Manoj says, not that I see ageism around me, it's almost non-existent at my company slash group, but have heard of the Uber statement, you quote, you are not a culture fit, which can include ageism, familyism, and everything else. So the culture fit thing also is very, very tricky. Yes, it could include all of that, but it could really be the culture, like for real. So I'll give a good example. I give this one example. We were hiring someone in our team, um, at the time, and we we had two seasoned people um, in the role, and I knew their personalities, and we had um, an, and me and my manager, and we had a, and the role was um, the two seasoned people were very opinionated, right? So we had like these two people seasoned in their role, knew what they were doing, very very opinionated. And so when people started to come in, so thinking about the culture of the team, right? Not necessarily the company per se, but of this little group. So you think about these two who are like, you know, battling each other constantly. And then thinking about the other people that were being interviewed to come in. So there was another woman, very qualified, Mm -hmm. came in. I mean, everybody comes to an interview is qualified. So that's another thing, guys. Mm -hmm. If you get to an interview on paper, you are qualified. Done. Period. It's now like, are you going to get well with the team? It's other stuff, right? And this is where the culture part comes in. So we had this person, very qualified, but I could see her and the other ones. I could just imagine, like, you're asking the questions. You could see them, and they they loved it. And, and my, I'm, I'm looking at it saying to my manager, I don't think this is the right cult fit. Not that she's not qualified, not that everything else, but I didn't think she was the right fit. So anyway, we ended up going with, so this woman had seasoned multiple, 20 years experience. I don't know. Ended up going with um, a college grad or, you know, somebody that was like a couple years out of college. And he came back to me. My boss was like, you assessing this was the best situation because now we had this person who was more amenable, flexible, like, you know, just different experiences versus what we thought potentially could have happened. And granted, maybe not, but you, you know, if you've interviewed as much as I've interviewed, you kind of get a feeling like, oh, this, this, this dynamic might not work. So I say that to say culture fit and leaders see this all the time. They're assessing. They could see if someone's going to come in and be a pushover when you need somebody to be a hard ass or somebody you need to be a little bit more calm and whatever when you need, you know, so there's various kind of things that go into that. So that's where the culture stuff comes in. Um, so it's not always, it, it, it definitely is sometimes a lot of the other ism stuff, but a lot of times it's just purely like, is this person going to fit on a team? When you think about sports teams, basketball team, things like that, like, do you want two LeBron Jameses on the team? No, you know, you can't have that kind of stuff. So, but for knowledge workers, though, you don't need the young people all the time. You don't, you need no, like you diversity don't. of thought and experience. I 100% and, agree. Uh, it's so frustrating. So, I think it just comes down to training the trainers, like teaching the hiring managers on how to unconscious bias, hiring, blind hiring, like give bias. them resources and, and practical tips on how to hire great teams. And we don't do that well. Like, we, yeah. we are great at training the new generation. We're great at training them. Like, we have yeah. plenty of nonprofits and organizations and like places like Cyberry, right? They they 
do great. But then we we ignore people once they get in. They're just like, okay, now that you're hiring, we assume that you're going to be great at hiring and that you're going to be great at interviewing where the opposite is completely true. Like we absolutely have no idea what we're doing when we're writing job descriptions or doing interviews, right? Like, or looking through resumes. We have no idea because no one's ever taught us and there's no, like there's no resources out there. Yes, there are actually. Askmanager.org is great. But if you don't know where they are and you don't level yourself up, no one ever is ever going to do that. They're going to assume that you know what you're doing, which is right. completely false. Yep, totally. Zoe says she thinks it's millennials. I think that comment was from because um, she said it's more more millennials than, than the Gen Z Z's like her, because um, uh, and that was the comment that I made when I talked about people turning over. And I think it was 11 months. There's a Gabrielle Roche, I think. That Gabrielle. is so short. And that's a millennial. Yeah. <clears throat> if I were a pirate. Yeah, I, I, when I look at resumes, I want to see not the job gaps. I don't care about job gaps. I want to be very clear. It's the short stints for me. If anything is like nine months or less, and I see a few of them in a row, then I'm just like, you know what? That's a pass. That's a pass because yeah. I want someone for at least a year. Now, I certainly have short stints. My shortest is like 16 months, and I have three that are within one and two years. That to me is not job hopping. This is like, 18 months is a good enough time to get your feet under you. You've done your job well, especially in the um, individual contributor role. You're not, you're not like doing anything crazy by leaving after 18 months. And I've done that several times, even within the company I stayed at for 12 years. Every two years, every 18 months, I switched roles. And I never felt that I was job hopping. But nine months or fewer, that that to me feels a little bit short. What do you think, Renee? What do you think job hopping is? What's yeah, that's, that's, that's short. I mean, nine, nine months. Yeah. That month is pretty short. Like what, what have, <clears throat> excuse me, what have you accomplished? What can you typically, I mean, it takes a while and granted there are some speed demons out here, but you know, a consistent nine, 10, 11 months, that's like, you didn't get a chance to even make a full cycle. Like they yeah. being in school like that. I mean, anything, it's a full, usually like a full year, hopefully. Mm -hmm. um, that is definitely a very short. Story. I think that depends also on the market and the, the country, because I did talk to somebody who was in Africa and he had several stints that were like four months and less. Yeah. And he was having no problem getting jobs, like so at all. Little contracts. I, yeah, I don't know what it was. Yeah. If you're a contractor, I mean, I get the contract space, like, if you're a contractor and they need you for like a six month stay here and a four months mm -hmm. in there and whatever, like that makes sense. But if you're a full time employee and you're nine months here and nine months there, it's just like what what I really want to dig in. I really want to understand, like, what is happening that you have all of this? And when I start to hear I, I saw somebody's resume recently and it was just like, mm, this doesn't. You know, and they were looking again, like they were at something and you're on the phone with me. <laughs> Why are you looking again? Oh, I'm always keeping my options open. It's just like, so if I place you at this company, then you're likely going to leave there in nine months too. Like yeah, That's a burn bridge. Yeah, just be really yeah. careful. As word gets around in cybersecurity, you don't want to be on the bad list. It's a, it's um, a bit much. Okay, so um, Al says, right, be happy for employees who will be loyal for years, meaning like usually more seasoned employees are, are used to, like, you know, you think about people who are over 40, like they are typically used to being in a, a job hopping for folks over 40 was like two, three years, like if it was anything under a couple of years, a couple of years ago, like five years ago when I was recruiting or six years ago, if you had less than four years or less than three years and all these little two year stints, people they looked at stints as two years. Wow, versus, that's what I have every two years. I'm just I like, mean, two years, which is not a stint. You know, that's a, that's significant enough. But people would say, mm, I don't know. You know, you would have leaders who think about, again, this is where the isms and stuff come in. Like, think yeah. about what their experience is. So if, if they were the 55-year-old manager like 10 or 20 years ago who had to stay in a company for 10 years and kind of go through the ranks and feel like that's what they that's needed changing. to do. That's changing. Which is like what we tend to hear a lot with whole, the whole, oh, they can't break into security. Uh -huh. They need two years of this and to do that and this and this and this. And then they see a resume that has someone that's been somewhere for three years and the person could have been perfectly, I mean, three years is a totally successful three, three, three. They're like, oh, why are they jumping around every three years? You're like, 
folks, this is not, you know. That's because they don't know. No one's ever told them. It's okay to hire somebody with three years. That's not job hopping. So right. again, showing the data, James has a great point. We yeah. need more proof. We need yeah. social proof. We need stories. We need to tell each other the positives of hiring for different ages right. and the diversity of thought and experience. And that's what's lacking. We always kind of focus on the negative in yeah. cybersecurity. I, I don't know why. I think we're just more paranoid than most folks. But like, if we actually focus on the good that we see, and just be grateful for what we have, like we will be absolutely in a better place rather than the toxicity that we see sometimes. Yeah. Cynthia, Cynthia Hughes is here. So Cynthia is saying, I agree that all isms are present in all working environments. That is so true. It's not only tech and security, but you have some that are more flexible than others. I've seen in tech, especially it's very, it tends to be very, you know, oh, the younger person versus from what I understand, like my mom's a retired nurse. She could probably go get a job tomorrow. They'll be like, sure, come on back. (laughs) 95, come back. 88, come back, you know, whatever versus um, folks in technology, um, that start to feel that that different rub. So, and I and I'm I don't know if education works that way too, like different industries. But I know in tech, it's definitely um, it's definitely high. So, um, Cynthia says, what is a solution or some best practices to try to avoid or get around the isms that exist today? Which is what you talked about, which is what James talked about. So, and I know Cynthia said thank you down further down in the comments. Um, Kyle says, I've seen ageism in play. It was assumed an older person, 50 plus, was going to be out, quote, out of date with recent developments in the field. I saw that play out. It was brought on by them already having hired a guy who was in that age group that turned out to be a bad hire as his knowledge was lacking. So they moved that experience into the conversation analysis of a new candidate for future roles. That happens too. Like you hire one person, that person ends up being a bad hire and you go, and if another person that looks similar on the surface shows up, it's like, mm, I'm not doing that again because that's what happened. Okay. That comes down to like being a dick person, like just it, like be individuals and you look at somebody as an individual, not as like a group. You can't just assume things about people. You can't assume my lived experience just because of what I look like. Same with you, Renee. Like, do people do that to you? Probably. And do we do that as a human, like a human thing? Like, I get that. But get beyond that part, right? Like, look at somebody as an individual, not as like the assumed biases that you bring onto this group of people. Yeah, I'm Asian. Yeah, I'm female. Yeah, I'm a mom. Uh, but what what else do you know about me? Like, dig into it and figure out why I'd be a good fit for your team. And that's just pure laziness otherwise. Like, if you're just like, oh, she's Asian. She must be good at math, right? Like, those are some lazy ass assumptions. Like, please get over yourself. Yeah. Be better. Be Sorry. be better, do better. But you're right. The data, you know, because people they they come up with whatever some and it, whatever experience they've had. I've learned. I've I've realized, especially that experiences are so hard to shake. So, you know, if you had a bad experience with a specific type of person or somebody that reminds you of this person or whatever, it's very hard to overlook. You know the situation. So. Unfortunately, it's human nature, but being cognizant, that's where the unconscious bias comes in. Like, you know, okay, because some people do it and they don't even realize they're doing it. Like, oh, that's why I didn't hire that person or why didn't you think about this? Versus with the unconscious bias, it's like, okay, I realized that I don't like this person because they remind me of that person, which I shouldn't do. And, you know, like, at least you could go through your mind and. But then when you figure that out, then you can get past that point. And like, that's the whole point. Like, be self-aware and be like, hold on, I'm making all these assumptions of somebody, whatever they are, whatever title they have, whatever they look like. And then you get to that point that you realize you're doing it and then don't do it anymore. Like, and then you like consciously unbias yourself, you know? Larry Rosen says, when I was in a hiring role, I found less than 10% sent thank you letters or cover letters. So there you go. Your thank you letter and your cover That will make you stand out. A cover letter will make you stand out. Go to askamanager.org, how to write a great cover letter and resume. Um, Allison Green, she puts that blog together. She has 10 years worth of questions and answers on things like resumes, cover letters, what to do in an interview, how to change jobs, how to be a good hiring manager, stuff like that. That is my go-to resource, by the way, askamanager.org amazing, amazing website. Awesome. Awesome. Paul says, yes, expose your vulnerabilities and make them a strength. So every tons of thank yous to James. So even though James is gone, James, your comments and you know, what you, what you, you said really resonated there. 
Um, Terry says, awesome use of a Game of Thrones reference. This podcast is great. Uh, Clinton Walker. Hey, Clinton Walker. Hello, guys. Good to see you, Naomi Buckwalter. It looks like you have a tan going. <laughs> you do. I've been on the beach every weekend. Yeah, I play uh, beach volleyball every weekend on New Jersey beaches. Nice, nice, nice. Peter Dinklage. Thank you, Paul. That's who it was. Yes. He's a great actor. He's the actor who plays Tyrion. Yeah. So um, he's a a short person. I think they're called little people. But he used to – he told stories in the past where people used to make fun of him. He used to, like, hold him back from – uh, going for roles and stuff. And then he realized once he got over that and he addressed it a forthright, like people would stop using that against him and yeah. he, they no, they no longer, they can't hurt him with that. Right. So yeah. I can't hurt you anymore. That's true. Exactly. So Cynthia says, I have done that um, before I apply for any position. I research the job and view resumes to see what keywords are being used. So I guess that's what people are hmm. talking about with, um, but that doesn't seem to work either. Isms will never go away. And I truly don't think there will ever be a solution um naomi uh cynthia also says naomi you were making some comments and she was saying amen to that and it goes oh yeah the ages in both ways yeah it's just pure ageism just like racism is just racism like it doesn't matter who it's against it's like still bad (laughs) it's like racism that's all it is you can't burn your energy like trying to educate the world yeah i know be better Kyle says, I'm not old yet, in parentheses, I don't think under 40, but this does concern me when I want to make sure I'm making the right decisions now to be able to progress my career enough that by the time it could be a thing, I'm in a position that it won't affect me. So, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. And that's what was so shocking to me when I was doing this research like 10 years ago and the professor was like 35 and I I wasn't 35. And I was just like, what, 35? What? So, again, it it becomes, um, you know, it's the the progressing in your career or really deciding what you want to do and getting to that point um, as soon as possible. So Paul says, I think the ageism within the job exists as favoritism. Mm. Um, that could be t- that could be true. So ageism within the roles definitely um, that definitely exists because that's a lot of the times, especially the internal promotions, things like that. Those things come into play in there too. So Cynthia says, if I'm older and think a younger person can replace me, then ageism is an issue. If I'm younger with not a lot of experience, then ageism will play a part, meaning in both ways. Yeah. yeah, but when you're younger, you're always going to grow older, right? So like it won't be forever, but for the older folks, they're always just going to have worse and worse and worse. So I could see like the lower end of that ageism thing. Like that's not as big of a problem, I would say, in my yeah. opinion. I, I, I agree with you. Um, Paul Cummings says Cyber Future Foundation is doing great things in this area as well. They create apprenticeship programs for candidates they have with their with their society of mentors. So this is, I think, somebody's comments here. Yeah, Cyber Future Foundation, CFF, they're great. Uh, they work with all the different groups of people trying to get break them in, and they do it the right way. There were, Paul says there's a great article about this. The millennial Gen Z are not aren't wanting to work in cyber because they don't get instant gratification and would and rather would be an influence mm. of change. Very interesting. Paul, send us that article. Yeah, I'm curious about that one. I think that's true about all the younger generations, no matter what they're called. But like, we always want to live for a purpose. Like, as when I was younger, I was like, screw money. I just want to change the world. Right. Right. Uh, But then, like, reality hits and then you have a house and a mortgage. Like, Like, pay me. (laughs) (laughs) I want to change the world, but pay me. Cynthia says, in education, the degree is greater than the experience. So What? That makes no sense. Wow. The degree. So mm-hmm. you could be, I guess, a younger person. And it's so interesting that she that Cynthia says that because another person I was I was working with helping someone with their resume. And I said, What do, what do they look for? And they were like, they want the PhD and they want to have, you know, they want this specific. So you could be, I guess, 25 with the PhDs or experience, and that works versus someone with the more extensive experience but not the credentials so interesting Mm. interesting interesting god bless our teachers lord we need to pay them more oh my god they need immediate raises immediate immediate raises immediate (laughs) oh my god cynthia says i always use a cover letter as you said naomi it makes you stand out totally makes you stand it does i love cover letters really i do please send them (laughs) even if it's just to say hi 
Oh my goodness. Okay, two more comments because it's 2.02 p.m. Eastern. Aaron says, not so much knowledge and more concerned about their ability to adapt and be open-minded to today's environments when stubbornness can be a major problem. Think about your parents and grandparents and they're willing to change. It's not right, but that is probably the bigger concern. Well, he's making a point of what it what really it is. Like people, that is people that are that is the concern that this person is quote older, they're set in their ways, they don't want to change, blah, 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 blah which is valid, but you can't, you know, just because your parents don't want to do it as you talking to your mom doesn't mean that this person who's actively looking for this job that is going and getting, you know, they're qualified because they're sitting in front of you. So they've Mm -hmm. done something to get there. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's kind of like what Naomi said earlier in terms of being open. But look at them. This is really what it is. Like This is, (laughs) is, Aaron makes a very valid point. This Uh is what it is. Like, we think these people, person doesn't is going to tell me what to do versus me telling them what to do. Yeah, or or just look at them like an individual. Strip away as much as you can. That takes away as much unconscious bias as you have. And just say, like, if this person were right next to me and they were, like, just a normal person that I would think is a person on the street, like, would they be good for this job? And, and like, just pick a random person and like pretend that's them, you know, instead right. of just like giving them this whole aura and bias. That you're in, and But and again, it goes yeah. to kind of what I talked about. They think like I'm thinking, yeah, do, would I want to hire my mom? <laughs> hire somebody that's going to be like, Renee, you didn't do this. Renee, you gave too much weight. Renee, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> And there, there's like ego there too. Like, why wouldn't I want to hire somebody who's better than me? Like, I want to hire someone who's smarter than me, like to, to help me grow, right? Like, yeah. like obviously we're going to have strengths and weaknesses. Give me someone who's stronger in my weaknesses. I would love that. Oh, right? I, I absolutely. I think it's the best compliment when you mm-hmm. hire strengths, like somebody that's smarter than you, that has more experience than you in various different ways. I mean, that makes it, that brings the whole team up. And there's been, you know, people who are confident in their skills. You know, you have some people that they're like, I know this really well. I don't know this. I need somebody to help with this. I'm really, really good at this. I don't need somebody. I need somebody to help with this. Um, But I think what Aaron's point is that, you know, the person who's going to be who's, quote, like, you know, not going to do what you tell them to do or something like that, like trying to, quote, manage your mom. Right. So I can't tell my mom, mom, cook the food this way. She's going to be like, get out of here. You know what I mean? like, oh, my gosh. But, like, if you're the boss and someone's doing that to you, like, it's up to the boss to say something. You know, that's just good management. You're not just going to be a doormat and let somebody walk all over you. You still have to stand up and say something. Like, be a good manager. But, again, we don't get trained as managers. It's the weirdest thing. You don't get leadership that's, training. And that's really the That's the problem. problem. That's the problem. Because right the right? unconscious bias, the leadership mm-hmm. training, like, all yep. of that kind of goes together where you, you're you're just a the 360-degree, um, uh, um, what do you call it? The 360, um, not assessments. I forget what it is, where everyone can um, give performance. Oh, feedbacks? Yeah, yeah. Right, 360 feedback. All that kind of stuff so that you really see yes. where you are as a leader. Yes, and then do something about it. Like, level up. Read some personal books. Like, read some books about people skills uh, <laughs> and, like, how to be a better manager because we don't focus on that. And, like, you know the whole Peter principle where you get – promoted to the level of your incompetency right? right and then you don't get any higher so yeah. like so for where you are currently if you're in a position of leadership you should always be learning the soft skills and learning how to be better at leadership it doesn't come naturally to a lot of people you really have to work on it you have to work yeah Finley is going to be my last comment i've always wondered how people many people cybersecurity loses access to because they get tired of trying to open the doors that hiring managers gain mm. That breaks my heart. We need more people in cybersecurity. I know. I I hate this. Like the reason why we need to like more people in cybersecurity because we don't have enough defenders. We don't have enough defenders to win an asymmetric war. I will say war. I I keep saying like fight or war, but really we uh, the increasing the cybercrime is increasingly bleeding bleeding from the virtual world into the physical. And now we're seeing evidence of that. People losing their lives, hospitals being attacked, schools, police stations. It's it's coming, people. And we're having a come to Jesus moment now where it's not just data. It's not just virtual. We need more defenders. And if hiring managers are going to be gatekeeping their way through uh, their career, like we're never going to have that next generation. And this is why I fight so desperately hard for people to break into cybersecurity because we need that next generation to be where we need them to be in the years in the future. Like we just need more people. 
So, so, so if you're hiring or if you're on a team and then you just go up to your boss and you say, hey, we really need to start working on the next generation. What can we do here in our, our company on our team? Can we hire an intern for $20 an hour and give them no benefits or PTO? Like, I'm pretty sure you can afford that. Or can you say, can we have a shadow? Can we just have somebody, an unpaid person, like just to watch, see what we do? And every person can do something. You don't have to be in a hiring role. 100%. You could not have said it better. I don't have anything else to add. I agree 100%. <laughs> and you're absolutely right. So I will wrap. We will wrap with that. It is eight minutes after the hour. Thanks for staying, um, guys. <laughs> I know. We, we, we got to do it this time. Last time it was you and James. Then it was, mm -hmm. I think, me and James. So we got to play. We got to do it this time. And um, Naomi, I thank you so much for being here, sharing your expertise and your perspective. Because again, the reason why I love this show, it's my favorite day of the week, is because we all come with different perspectives from different sides and we can get on, have a great conversation, disagree, get off, hug virtually and move on. Um, so Joshua has an interview tomorrow for a sock roll and he wants tips. So people give him tips for that sock roll. We will see everybody here next week, 1 p.m. Eastern, CISO Thursdays. Be here, be square. Um, Pam says, awesome discussion, awesome. Thank Naomi, you. I know you're going to be doing that thing tomorrow with Paul Cummings. So bye, everybody. Bye. In the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.